Okay. All right. Well, if you have your handout from last week, please pull that out and take a look at it. We'll be using that for majority of the class today. And I have my answers, and we'll go over your answers. Um, last week, we split into two groups and had the groups come up with answers to the questions that I presented from the passages. And so we want to review those and, and share the answers so we can write them down. Um, purpose of this drill was just to work on looking at the text, taking it apart, looking at key words, and um, practicing studying the text uh, as we read through it. So chapter four is as big a deal as the rest of the chapters, and it just continues to build on top of its own foundation. It's, it's been really fun. It's been a, uh, a great learning lesson coming into uh, this book that, well, this letter that Paul wrote to, to the people in Rome. So let me go ahead and open us with a word of prayer, and then we can, we can dive in here. Lord, I thank you for this time together this morning to come together as believers um, in this building and just look at your word together as a group of people that you've turned our hearts towards you. So I thank you for that. I pray for our time together. Pray for the sermon this morning. We lift up pastor as he prepares for that. Just pray for our hearts to be ready. We pray for Pastor Jeremy as he's away and for his safe travels back. We pray for any of those not here this morning. Pray for their health, their spiritual health with you, and their physical health, Lord. And we ask you to bring them back to us as soon as possible. Lord, I pray you let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, over to Romans 4. We left off again um, on verse 16, finishing the chapter out today. Once again, let me just read it so we get ourselves acquainted with, with this passage. It starts off in 16. For this reason, it is by faith, in order that it may be in accordance with grace, so that the promise will be guaranteed to all the descendants, not only those who are of the law, but also those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, a father of many nations have I made you. In the presence of him whom he believed, even God who gives life to the dead and calls into being that which does not exist. In hope, against hope, he believed so that he might become a father of many nations according to that which had been spoken. So shall your descendants be. Without becoming weak in faith, he contemplated his own body, now as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. Yet with respect to the promise of God, he did not waver in unbelief, but grew strong in faith, giving glory to God. And being fully assured that what God had promised, he was able also to perform. Therefore, it was also credited 
to him as righteousness, now not only for his, sorry, now not for his sake only was it written that it was credited to him, but for our sake also to whom it will be credited. As those who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, he who was delivered over because of our transgression and was raised because of our justification. All right. So, group A, we went over questions um, on the front of that page. This is from last week. Everyone filled out answers and groups, and we're going to go over some of those answers. So, group A we had on this side of the, the classroom, um, and we, we had you answer quite a few questions, both groups did, but let's dive into those and begin going over what some of the answers were. And if folks in the same group have some different answers, that's okay. We can just talk through what you wrote down. Um, I know we had Joseph, Mike and Beth, um, yeah. <laughs> Jessica. <laughs> Your gaze just startled me. I'm like, oh no, she's going to kill me. <laughs> okay, so the first question I raised um, in verses 16 and 17, um, which only two verses, but they had a lot of depth in them, uh, was the first part of the verse where it says, for this reason. What reason? And explain your answer. Uh, so it starts right in, first, in verse 16. For this reason, it is by faith. So what, what did you come up with um, where it says, for this reason? Okay, good, good. Um, do you remember where you looked to anywhere in particular? The previous yeah, excellent, excellent. Um, that one I also found, yeah, right in verse 15 is, is a good answer to follow up with that question in 16. Uh, 15, we went over it two weeks ago in Mark's class, but that reads, for the law brings about wrath. Where there is no law, there's also no violation. So he's just answering his, his previous verse in there. And he's also answering a lot of what Paul's gone over in the past before then. Okay. Uh, anyone from Group B have any questions on that? As you do, as we go through these questions, um, just make sure you get the answer that you're looking for, and then it'll be vice versa when we switch over to your, your answers there. Okay, okay next uh, question was, by faith... In what? Explain in what faith. What did you guys come up with there? And Joseph, I'm counting on you to participate too since... Okay. All right. Awesome, man. Thanks. Thanks, bud. So by what faith? Explain what the faith is that Paul's talking about here. Faith in God. Okay. In the gospel. Okay. We're getting a little deeper. And what about the gospel that they have to have faith in? Excellent. Power to salvation. Yeah, saving faith, faith in God's word, 
um, believing that God is who he says he is, and he does what he says he will do, right? We always got to remember, especially in our personal conversations with folks uh, anywhere here in Utah or anywhere else, that anyone who says, yeah, I believe in God, well, the Bible says the, de- the, the demons believe in God, um, and they, they believe that he is there and that um, he will have wrath against them. Um, so that's a start because we have lots of folks that will say they don't believe in God, um, but we need, to, we need to get deeper into the gospel and what the gospel means. So yeah, into that faith is what Paul's describing here. Okay, moving on through this verse, in accordance with grace. What is Paul again emphasizing? In accordance with grace. What'd you get for that in your group there, Joseph? Third question on your, um, on your list there, where we asked in accordance with grace, what is Paul again emphasizing? In accordance with grace? Right? Right? (laughs) You're correct. It is not by works of the law. Um, Just did you have anything different? Right. Yeah, according to grace, not by works. And that, that drew me back to chapter 3, um, where we studied through that about uh, it being a gift, being justified as a gift in verse uh, 24, 324 in there. So yeah, you guys are right. You're on the right path. That's, that's where um, the text is taking us to, and that's where I was seeing um, an answer to that question as well. Okay, so then we're going on to the promise. What promise? What is the promise that Paul is speaking of here um, when he says, so that the promise will be guaranteed to all descendants? What is this promise? Excellent answer, yeah. Promise of salvation through God's grace. Um, it's only through his word. It's, it's not through works again. Again, this is, of course, a lot of this is repetitive, but Paul's doing that for a reason. As we've gone over since chapter one, um, Paul's laying a, a big foundation here to, to build uh, the body of Christ up on. Um, a promise of Abraham's faith uh, being given as a gift that would pass down through generations, uh, to come would be, it'd be universal. You know, it, it began within his bloodline. But God was making these promises of Abraham and to Abraham that it would be beyond just the physical bloodline. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Yeah, Mike's pointing just up a couple verses. 
and just picking up where Paul Paul's referring back to right there. Great job. Okay, and then the next exciting part will be guaranteed. What does this mean for us? Will be guaranteed. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's such a strong promise um, that you know when when I say or, or Mark or someone anyone says we guarantee something, you know there's still a percentage of that that isn't guaranteed because we're we're human and we're flawed and we can't keep our word the way God can keep His word, but it's there and He says it and it's and it's huge and we know we can trust it. Um, if God's word is true and God is perfect and cannot lie and is Guarantee, and he guarantees us salvation through faith. His word is true, and we must trust in him and his word that this will happen, and there is nothing we can do to counteract it. So, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's so much bigger than anything you or I or man can say, and, and his word has that guarantee that, that we just can't, we can't keep, we can't hold. But his word has proved it time and time again. How many prophecies and promises have come true through his word? So it's really exciting. That part in this verse is absolutely exciting, and I think everyone should find um, security in, in that and be happy, again, that God's word is true, and Paul's reiterating to these, these folks um, that the guarantee is there. Okay, keep going. To all the descendants, not only to those who are of the law, what does that mean, of the law? Should be a simple, pretty simple answer, since we've been going over this quite a bit. Just want to make sure we're all on the same page, though. <laughs> I think it refers to, like, the Old Covenant covenant of Jewish people that they had to follow the law in order to have peace with God. So they're the, following the law, and then, I guess, um, they had faith. Well, you're on the right path. Do you, do you have something else? Correct. Correct. Didn't secure their salvation having the law. Right. Yeah, absolutely. They had the law. They knew the law. They had the written law. Um, so I believe that's what Paul's referring to specifically with that. Um, and, and it didn't cause them salvation but it was to give them a path that was um, towards God, right? So that their hearts would be um, towards him and not away from him like the rest of the world. So Paul is referring to um, the specific bloodline here um, later on that the law was given to. But it also says, who is of the faith of Abraham? And my question all for there was, what is the difference between those of the law and uh, who is of the faith of Abraham? So what did you find there? What's the difference in that passage? Because it, it points them out not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham. Okay. Yeah, you could be. Could be circumcised Gentile. And when, when 
We went over this earlier in the chapter um, that Mark taught on, but when was Abraham circumcised? Was it before or after he had faith? How far after? A long ways after. Yeah, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't the saving faith that he was given. It was a sign of it. It was a, it was a symbol. Yeah, absolutely. So who is of the faith of Abraham? What is Paul talking about here? Good. That's good. Using resources that we have. That's excellent. Just a little while, right? And yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> yeah, you're on the right path again. Um, I wrote down the faith of Abraham was prior to the law, and therefore people who didn't have the law uh, may also obtain faith he was, that he was gifted. The difference is if they were Jew or, or Gentile. Um, obviously, the Jews were trusted with the word of God and the law, much after Abraham. But again, they were, they were trusted with that, and they were given a lot more truth about God and who he is and what he, what he wanted than those without. But the faith is still gifted to all in the same who believe and, and trust in God and his means of salvation. So Paul went over earlier in the chapter that we're not going over now, um, but he also went over it in, in chapter 2 and 3 as well, the difference in salvation versus the Jew and, and the Gentile. And that there isn't difference in the salvation. Um, it doesn't matter if they're circumcised or uncircumcised with the gift of being justified through Christ's death and resurrection on the cross that all are going to be descendants of Abraham. So that leads us into the next question. What makes Abraham the father of us all? And then do you consider him your father now? So explain. I believe so. Did you guys come up with? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is, yeah, God's word is authoritative, so if he writes it and tells us that, then, then we are to trust it. And, and that's part of this faith that we are given. Um, how much can you trust God's word before, before your heart's given over to him? It's, it's difficult. It's very questionable, Right? People don't want to believe it. They're not allowed to believe it. They're blinded by our own stubborn hearts. We went over that in chapter, chapter 2. Um, in chapter 1, talking about the suppression of, of truth, of God's truth. It's, it's there. We do it to ourselves. But what makes him the father of us all? He is, he is the father in the sense that he was the first to receive a promise and guarantee of salvation through the faith gifted to us by God himself. God selected Abraham when, when he came out of a world that was um, worshiping idols and in a pagan culture, right? Mark went over all this before. Um, he, he wasn't uh, someone that had dedicated his life to worshiping um, the God of this, 
this world and this universe. He was coming up with other stuff, but God selected him anyways and went forward with his plan of salvation for the world. Okay, got to keep moving here. We've got a lot to cover. Where is it written, a father of many nations have I made you? And how is it true? Anyone find that reference in your group there? Correct. Genesis 17, 5. And how is it true? You know, Mike really said it right. I mean, it's God's word, and we're here to trust it. Um, it is supernatural life-giving work to make him the physical father of many nations, and it also took supernatural life-giving work uh, to make him the spiritual father of many nations, right? Because in the, the fact that he was in his older age, and his wife was too, um, as, as we continue through this, it, it wasn't going to happen on their own accord. They had obviously been trying their entire lives. That was um, part, of the, part of the culture is, is having more children and raising them up on this earth. Um, even with the name he was given, it was important to have that. Okay, is the hymn referring to God the Father or God the Son in verse 17? In the presence of him whom he believed. Okay. Mike, did you get anything out of this? Yeah, okay. <laughs> All right, I kind of threw that in there just as a trick question. I wanted to hear what, what anyone came up with. Joseph, did you have anything different? Okay. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't have a real solid answer besides yes and both. Um, but I, I just wrote it. The text says God, so we must determine it's referring to God as one, so the Father and the Son um, as one, as we know him. Okay, in what sense does he give life to the dead? And what did that look like for Abraham? So towards the end of verse 17, uh, really awesome, awesome text here. God who gives life to the dead and calls into being that which does not exist. Great job. Great, great answer. Um, yeah, I would agree. Multiple ways. Abraham, well, uh, was he had his faith and children uh, from the deadness of um, his heart and from Sarah's womb. So um, he, he was raised from spiritual death, like we are as believers when we go from not knowing Christ and his gospel to um, becoming aware of that and, and believing it. Uh, but also, yeah, the physical life and death, um, the, the child that they were able to have. Yeah, and like I just put three sons of children into existence. So I was trying to think of what it would look like for Abraham. How much time did God would be raised from the dead? Yeah, it can mean that. Um, even the, the world itself, just being created through his word. 
there was there was nothing there. Uh, we wasn't in existence, and God created that um, out of nothing, complete nothingness. Okay, how did he give life to the dead in Jesus' time, and how about right now? So from, from when Abraham was going through this with, with the Father, and then fast forward to Jesus and his ministry on earth, Yep. Right. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, salvation, um, life of the, the dead. I mean, we're, we're all dead walking around here uh, without, without Christ in our hearts. Anything else? Um, we also saw Jesus. He healed the sick and raised some from the dead, right? He gave sight to the blind and blinded those who think they can see. Um, obviously, Jesus raised himself from the dead to f- defeat death and gave all believers hope for eternal life. He is the only source of life uh, and decide who can see the truth. There's lots and lots there in, in Jesus' Jesus's time that we were able to see. And now that we have um, everything that's written out, we can, we can see it and study it and, and realize how much life and death was there. And, and God created all of it. He, he did every, every aspect of that. He, he did. Okay, the, next, the last two questions uh, uh, for both groups are just kind of personal questions. So if you have anything you want to share, um, we can uh, please feel free to share it. What impacted you the most in these two verses as you studied it? Absolutely. I love it too. It's, it's an exciting verse. And just to think back from the beginning of creation till right now, today, which we can see um, just how big of an impact he has on everything, everything that exists. Yeah. Hi. <laughs> you want to help? <laughs> uh huh. <laughs> Did you have anything else? Yeah. Okay. And was there anything else for this passage, these two verses, that just tied back into the rest of Romans for you? Anything in particular that, that stood out for you that you liked? 
Okay, yeah, God justifies us through grace. I, again, I just love how Paul writes, and he, he, he just builds out this foundation, and it keeps getting um, wider and thicker, and it's stronger. And, and he's talking to a church, again, that he didn't, he didn't start. He hasn't been there to visit yet. He's looking um, to give them uh, this, this foundation that we need that we today as, as believers need to understand too. A lot of this, that so far that we're through, just through chapter 4 in Romans, how much of this, of this is the world missing? How much of the Christian sector is missing just, just what we've gone over? Um, and, and Paul knew that back when he was uh, wanting to teach and preach and, and give and receive from these churches as well. It was such a big deal um, that I just, I love how it ties back into everything he's already said. And then it'll tie into every other letter that he writes as well as, as you study those and look at those too. All right, flip over. We're going on to verses 18 through 21. Switching groups here. Group two. Okay. Okay, starting in verse 18. In hope against hope, he believed. That's pretty interesting. Explain what in hope against hope means. What did, what did you write down for that? Yeah, yeah, you can write down... You can write down answers as we give them out and as people um, speak up. Yeah, just write down the answers, the ones that, that you hear and you like, um, and, and we can write those down together. Katrina, did you have something? Or Joe? What's that? Excellent. Okay, good. Believe in the unbelievable. Yeah, he had hope where there should be no hope. Right, Amy? Um, if, if it weren't for God's promise, he would not have hope in that. He, he would not, absolutely wouldn't be counting on having, having children with his wife. So shall your descendants be. What does this mean? Um, you can reference it and explain it. The end of verse 18 there. Did you find that reference? Excellent. Genesis 15, 5. 5 through 6, yep. References uh, his descendants being as many as the stars in the sky. This hope and faith is the gift provided by God and Abraham's descendants, which will be as many as the stars. Okay, great. What circumstances could make him weak in his faith? Um, and I asked, list each aspect that, that could cause doubt. So this is speculation, but what could cause him to doubt? What would, what would 
I was kind of looking at it as what would have caused me to doubt if that was me in that situation. His age, excellent. Yep, that's the first big one. No kids, hasn't had any kids at all yet. He's probably given up on that. Yeah, it was many, many years. Yeah, that, that time between could absolutely make someone waver in faith, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I get fired. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. He was probably looking, you know, towards the end of that tunnel and seeing the light and thinking there's there's not a whole lot of life in there left just for him, let alone a child and, and his wife. Um, I also wrote down um, his sinfulness. His his own sinfulness that we all have. Um, would absolutely make me weak in that situation. Um, to help. We talked about too old to have kids. Um, his, his name itself had brought him embarrassment to him. Um, his name meant father of many, so not having any was, was embarrassing, and he dealt with that throughout his livelihood and throughout his life. Um, he had not witnessed any miracles to this point. He thought he could help God keep his promise by offering up his, his servant at first before they had any children, and then by having a baby with Sarah's uh, maidservant, Hagar. So his faith strengthened over time, but it wasn't the same strength at the end as it was at the beginning. Right? He did have doubt. And he did think, well, maybe, okay, yeah, maybe I'm supposed to do this to get his promise to work. And God corrected him, as he should, as he should always. But don't we do that, though? Absolutely, we do that. Absolutely, we do that. This person will not be saved unless I go talk to them and tell them everything that there has to be done. Right? We think it's up to us, or we think it's, well, it's not going to happen if I do it, uh, so somebody else is going to have to do it. You know, either or, we think that way all the time, all the time, that God's promises won't come through unless we do something about it. Okay, we can move on. What did it mean for Abraham and Sarah and their world that they never had children? No heirs. No one to help them when they're getting old. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm sure they were concerned with that. Yes. Yes. And that's what I was looking for too. Culturally, it looked as though they had done something wrong. As they are being punished, you know, the culture would say by the gods. Um, and that's what Abraham would have thought too before God came to him and revealed himself to him. Um, but they had, they had done something wrong and that they didn't deserve children. So it was an embarrassment. Um, just reading through some of the commentaries, it talked about you know, they were wealthy. Uh, they had lots of land and sheep. But as people would travel through, they would probably have conversations. You know, hey, what's your name? 
and he would say his name, and that in itself would be an embarrassment because they would have, oh, your father many, how many kids do you have? Well, none. I got a bunch of sheep, a bunch of goats, you know, stuff like that. It, it would be an embarrassment. Mm, yeah, absolutely. You know, that totally could have happened. Or, yeah, right. Yep. Yep. I didn't think of that, and that is a great point. So it was embarrassment. Um, a name with no truth, a title with no authority. Um, and that he was despised by the, the gods that they thought they knew. Okay. Well, why did Abraham not waver in faith without, without becoming weak in faith? Why not? <laughs> well, how do we how do we have faith? What's that? But how do we do that? Can we do it on our own? Yeah, God has that power. God does it. He's the one that draws us to him. He's the one that changes our heart from a dead heart to a live heart. It's him only, right? It's nothing that we do. And he does give us that faith, and we do exercise that faith, and it does strengthen through him. But on our own, we just, we just can't. We can't. We don't have that in us. We are, we are cut off by sin um, to, to have that on our own. And if we could do it on our own, Who's going to boast about themselves? Oh, yeah, look, look at my faith, you know? And that, that isn't the, the faith that's being produced here. Uh, we talked about boastfulness and, and what good that does and how, how that is not. That's, that's the reason that the, the gospel is the way it is, so that no one can boast. Um, His faith prevented him from becoming discouraged by his own natural weakness. And that was God-given. So instead of wavering in faith, what happened? And, and how did he do it? And I put verse, verse 20 on there, looking at verse 20. Yet with respect to the promise of God, he did not waver in unbelief, but grew strong in faith, giving glory to God. So instead of wavering in faith, what did he do? Gave glory to God. And in doing that, God increased his faith more. He didn't, do you think he understood everything that was going to happen and how it was going to happen? No, and that's, that's the boat we're in too today, right? Um, we have faith in God's word and, and believe it um, through the gift of God's faith that he's given us to do that. Um, but he glorified him. And, and what does Jeremy always say, the reason why, why we're here? 
to glorify God. Again, if he's the father of us all, if he's the father of many nations, he's talking about this faith that God gave him and implanted in him and caused him to have. He does the same for you and me. He does the same for every believer. And in doing so, our duty is to glorify God and what we do and what we say. We're going to fail all the time, and so did Abraham. And that's where we, we repent and go back to the gospel. Okay. Personal question. Can you relate to Abraham and being fully assured? Explain yes or no. Anyone got anything else you want to share? You know, the assurance um, that I continue to find, it really comes a lot through, through all of you, through the body of Christ and through doing studies together, working together and talking through this. Because um, in my own head, in my own heart, there, there's a lot of um, doubt and stuff that, that goes into, a, into my brain that uh, makes us think, well, what about this? What about that? How... How are we going to handle this or that or this or that? And God's, God's word is what we're, we're meant to um, fully rely on and trust whether or not we understand it, right? And, and if we, some people feel like if they can't understand something fully, they, they won't believe in it. Um, but again, that's, that's not God-given faith. That's, that's faith in complete, absolute reason um, that, that's different. It's different than God-given faith. So... Um, you know, Abraham stumbled his own, in his own life through many ways, uh, but he continued to grow that in his faith that God's word would be true, that it would come about just as, just as he said, even though he doubted it and did different things through, throughout his life, um, he still built his faith and continued to have faith because God continued to promise that for him. So what did Abraham have to do to show his unwavering faith and God's promise. <laughs> yeah, he did try to take some things into his own hands a couple times. He had to believe. Oh, yeah, that's great. He had to be patient. He had to trust and wait on God's time, not on his own time to make things happen. We're pretty bad about that nowadays, aren't we? He was, he was being obedient in that. 
He was being obedient. He trusted, especially by that point. He really, really, really trusted. His faith was enormously strong. Yep. Yep. And, and in this and in their age and in their, their life that they went through, um, and Abraham and his wife still had to have sex. They had to go do that to have children. It wasn't an immaculate birth. It wasn't out of nothing. So he still had to be obedient in that. And at that age, that would be something um, they, I don't know, maybe they were used to doing it then, but I, I don't think it would be um, as easy as, as it just seems reading through the text, right? He had to be obedient in that. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't. But they had to be obedient to receive the promise. They, they had to. They had to be obedient through that. Um, and obedience is the key. And he still had to act upon God's promise there. Um, but yes, there was certain things besides that that Abraham had to do. Um, and, and that we, we see that throughout his life. Uh, for him to be the father of many nations. Did Abraham's belief earn him righteousness? Yeah, okay. Mike said he didn't earn anything. Righteousness was given to him. Okay, good. Yep, very good. Chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. Yeah, our faith, his faith did not merit salvation, but that faith accepts salvation from God's gracious hand. Um, through the acceptance comes the righteousness that only God can impart. So it was, it was given. Again, it's a gift. It's not earning it. If we earn it, we can boast about it. And uh, that's, that's where... So much of our religious friends are confused. And uh, again, it, it's something that we can't change their hearts on and we can't change their minds on. And um, it's, it is something that only God can do. But he uses us and every chance that, that we take to share that and pass that message on to unbelievers. Okay, last couple questions. Um, again, just share if you have something there. If not, not a big deal. But what impacted you the most on these four verses? For me, it was his faith being stronger. Because in walking through my life, my faith kept getting weaker and weaker and weaker. And I remember the last week's verse, I'm like, why did I think it's stronger? Why did it fall apart? Yeah. <laughs> Right. Absolutely. And, and what word? Was it this written word that we have in front of us? He didn't have that. He had God's verbal word. And that's it. And he didn't have something to go back to and refer to like we do every single day. 
And we have this entire set of books here that he, all he had was God's direct word and, and promise to him. Yeah, his faith continued to grow again because it was faith given to him by God. Okay, does anyone have any questions on uh, these four verses? Anything that they, it brought up for you that we can maybe answer now or, or look into and get back to you afterwards? Okay, well, if you do, as always, feel free to share with Mark and I, and we'll, we'll try and come up with any answers that anyone has for any part of this book as we're going over it. Um, how, does, how does this tie into Paul's letter from the beginning until now? Same question I had on the, the front side for the first, first group. Anything to add on how it ties into everything there? That's okay. Say it, Joseph. Say it. We're all together. How does how does it tie into everything? That's okay. Well, I think the end of the uh, chapter. Uh, is, is also just as wonderful as everything else that we've read and studied so far. Um, we see in verse 22, therefore it was also credited to him as righteousness. And, and that is just, it's absolutely wonderful knowing that. Um, and, and then Paul goes on to write, it's not only for his sake was this written, but it's for our sakes also, uh, to whom it will be credited to to whom those who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. And Paul's referring back to, you know, the, the verses that you guys referenced that we looked up in Genesis. It wasn't just written for him. It wasn't just written for that acknowledgement, but for, for everyone after him, everyone that came after him. Um, and it's so important that we have that. And it's important that Paul references it here again in his explanation to this church in Rome on how faith comes about and, and how salvation is credited to everyone who believes. 25, he who was delivered over because of our transgression and was raised because of our justification. So we talk about the sins that Jesus bore a lot. We're in a Bible church. We study the Bible. We look at that all the time. Um, and we can never fully understand that. But we talk about it, and we do study it, and we look, look to that as all of our sins in all of our lives, past, present, and future, were on our God, our Lord, right, on that cross. I think most of us are very familiar with that. But the second part of this verse and was raised because of our justification. What does that mean? What does, what does that mean? And it was raised because of our justification. Yeah. 
What does it mean that he was raised because of our justification? Yeah, the, te- the text reads, and was raised because of our justification. So I'm asking, what does that mean? <laughs> Any ideas? Yeah, I was talking about Jesus being raised because of our justification. Yeah, the words can be translated a little different. So what does it mean, though? Yes? I'll share uh, part of the commentary from uh, John Calvin that I like. Um, Then, as he is said to have died for our sins, because he delivered us from the evil of death by suffering death as a punishment for our sins, So he is now said to have been raised for our justification because he fully restored life to us in his resurrection. For he was the first smitten by the hand of God that in the person of the sinner he might sustain the misery of sin and then he was raised to life that he might freely grant to his people righteousness and life. So I I really enjoyed that. Um... He was, he was raised for our justification so that we can have actual life. Go back to um, the, the verses that we loved in 17, that he calls into being that which did not exist. He gives life to the dead. And everyone is dead without him, without that life. Everyone is dead without Christ's resurrection. We have nothing without that. Question, Joe? justification. Um, it's, the, it's, it's what Jesus earned in his works on the cross. Everything that he did paid for everything, every sin in the world of believers with his work, with this perfect life from beginning to end, everything that he did, he earned it. His works earned it where ours can't. Nothing that we can do earns our works. And, and the imputation of our sin unto him um, justifies the, the righteousness that is given to us. So everything that, that we receive as believers is what he has earned for us on our behalf. So he is justifying us in his, in his work on the cross. And raising him from the dead is the life that he has that he now gives to us. And that's why we say Jesus lives in our heart because we are given the life through him that is shared to every believer as soon as, as soon as they believe, that instant that they believe. Not at circumcision, not at baptism, but that moment, that instant that that faith is given to us and, and we believe as believers, that's when that justification happens to each person.
The debt is paid. Mike simplified it. The debt is paid. We all owe a debt. Every sinner, every person on this entire world owes that debt to God for our sin, and it is paid through Christ. Thank you. Perfect. Appreciate that. Okay. Um, the first verse in chapter 5 does help explain this, and I'm just going to touch on it. We'll read it, and then we'll close. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And amen to that. That's where our peace is. Awesome. Thank you for bearing with me through all that. I had fun. I hope you did. Let me close in prayer real quick. We're a couple minutes over. Lord Christ, we are so incredibly just thankful for your work on that cross and for your justification, for the debt that you paid on our lives and every life of every human um, that comes to you and, and has faith that you've given to us, Lord, for this church, for these people, for those around the nation and the world. Lord, you paid that debt, and we are, we are in your debt. We are your slaves, and we are your people, and you have freed us from the slavery of sin. Uh, but we are here to serve you, and I pray that we glorify you and everything, everything that we say and everything that we think and everything that we do, Lord, convict us of those actions that are not glorifying you and lead us towards a life that does glorify you more each and every day. I thank you, Lord, for this church, for this body, and for your word. In Christ's name, amen. All right, thanks, everyone.